Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This content is brought to you by Uphold, which is a great platform that makes it easy and simple for you to buy, hold, and sell and earn crypto. You can trade from anything to anything. For example, you can trade between cryptocurrencies and precious metals. It's an amazing platform that I've been using for years. And in fact, I still use to this day because they're one, a great exchange, um, they're reputable, and they're one of the only exchanges that still lists XRP. Many of the other exchanges have delisted XRP due to the SEC lawsuit, but you can still get XRP on Uphold. So I have interviewed the CEO, the founder, and many other representatives from Uphold over the years, and I'm a fan of this platform. And once again, there's some great features like trading between different assets very easily. You don't have to convert to a currency and so forth. They're used by 10 plus million users. They have over 200 cryptocurrencies. And they have a very easy to use app. Uh, the interface is really nice. So I can certainly vouch for this platform. Once again, I've been a user for years. So if you'd like to learn more about Uphold, please visit the link in the description. Welcome back to the Thinking Crypto Podcast, your home for cryptocurrency news and interviews. With me today is Ron Hammond, who's Director of Government Relations at the Blockchain Association. Ron, great to have you back on. Thanks for having me. really appreciate it. Ron, you're the man to talk to because this FTX debacle, uh, collapse, whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of implications, a lot of ripple effects here. And in the political circles, you got a lot of connections, campaign donations, and a lot of folks are trying to figure out what's happening. Tell us what's the latest that you're hearing. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's first to highlight uh, that the Blockchain Association never had FTX in our membership. We um, actually were going against them in a couple of lobbying efforts, most notably on the DCCPA, um, which I'm having to go into more detail afterwards. Um, but uh, definitely uh, the FTX situation has had a lot of ripple effects in D.C. Um, they were in a lot of trade associations, they were in a lot of other groups, and they were also actively on Capitol Hill, uh, SPF personally, actually, uh, lobbying for a lot of legislation 
introduce themselves to member of Congress and staff. Um, and I, I can easily say this for sure, that he was the most active CEO uh, in DC in crypto, probably in financial services as well. I mean, it was very common for me to run into him on Capitol Hill, uh, lobbying either members of Congress or staff, or even just having a briefing for uh, educational purposes. So he was really trying to be the face of crypto in DC. And so that's why there's a really big backlash in DC, not just on top of the fraud or likely fraud that occurred at FTX, but also just how um, personable uh, and caught off guard a lot of folks were from FTF. Um, many folks in DC didn't think he was uh, a nefarious person or is committing fraud. Obviously, now we know uh, that has been the case, but a lot of people feel burned here on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat. Um, and it's important to note, at least on the donation side, that both Republicans and Democrats got money from SPF. So um, the the links and conspiracy theories in terms of uh, the Biden administration or the Gary Gensler thing, uh, at least in my personal opinion, have not seen that play out. Um, you know, the campaign donations are important um, on a variety of fronts of facilitating conversations. Um, but by no means, at least in my experience, did I see that any of this having a, a more deeper connection. So, um, you know, we'll see how this all plays out. There's going to be a lot of hearings on this topic, as you mentioned, um, but this is going to carry over to 2023. Uh, and I think folks in Congress right now just ask themselves, what happened? And we'll be getting to the bottom of that uh, over the next couple of weeks, it looks like. And I'm sure uh, both sides of the aisle, many folks are upset because to your point, Sam Beckman-Fried was there taking photos with these folks, hugging them. And it's like he was doing all this nonsense behind the scenes, which nobody knew. So I'm sure they're, they're, a lot of them are upset. Naturally so, yes. I mean, you got to recall uh, almost a year ago, he testified in front of the House Financial Service Committee. And that was kind of his first foray into um, uh, Capitol Hill and how to interact with Capitol Hill. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks who said he's very different from like the Jeremy Allaire's, the Brian Brooks's, uh, Danelle Dixon's that were also testifying at that hearing. You know, he's a little more of a, of a character. He has this uh, approach, at least with him or demeanor to a lot of folks that was uh, not confrontational. He's a very big of a tech nerd of sorts. Um, so how could someone this smart or appear this smart um, uh, done all this fraud or potentially did all this fraud? Uh, and that's where a lot of folks are more scratching their heads saying, we really misjudged him here in D.C. And I think that's just some uh, more of a reiteration that a lot of folks just weren't trusting of uh, or weren't trusting of him and his message to D.C. And now they are very skeptical, not only of FTX, obviously, but of the crypto industry as a whole, because a lot of folks said that this man was the face and uh, it has spectacularly failed, unfortunately. Wow. So, uh, Ron, how do you think the industry comes back from that? Is it more... Uh, you know, it's just a, a part of it's going to take time, but maybe more credible faces in D.C., your Jeremy Allaire's, your your Brian Armstrong and so forth. Definitely. I mean, I think there's also the idea that, you know, no one is the savior uh, of crypto in D.C. And this is really big push. And I've been seeing this back since 2017 when I worked on Capitol Hill, is that there always seems to be, you know, one or two people that always say, you have all failed. I'm here now to lobby for, uh, for DC. Or I'm here to pass legislation. Or I'm here to move the needle. Um, when actually, I think that the ethos of the crypto ecosystem is we're all in this together. You know, whether you're part of a certain trade association or not, or whether you're part of a certain company or not, at the end of the day, crypto rises together and we fall together. In this case, we're all falling together, whether we are connected to FTX or not in DC, hmm. because of just those actions, because he has lost the trust of folks in DC. And folks lump in FTX with the rest of the crypto ecosystem. And that has some unfortunate ripple effects, no pun intended. So mm -hmm. that's been really unfortunate to see. And 
you know, at least at the Blockchain Association, we're trying to repair that and trying to have like just a matter of fact conversation. I know a lot of folks at Coinbase and other groups are also doing the same thing. Um, but we have a long way to go. And I think the important thing we're trying to tell folks on Capitol Hill is if there was fraud, and again, it looks like there was a lot of fraud here, we have laws in the books for that. Now, how does that play in effect with um, him being domiciled in the Bahamas? Has it come to effect with those who may have known the situation who likely weren't based in the United States? There's a lot of questions that still need to be asked. And I think we're going to get to the bottom of that hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, but a lot of folks are already quickly blaming the regulators. And I think they're also scratching their heads saying, where was our jurisdiction here? Did we have jurisdiction here? Um, but a lot of folks in Congress saying, I want to hear from FTX and I want to hear from the regulators. They really don't want to hear from anyone else in the crypto ecosystem. And that's totally fine. That's And that's, uh, I think, what we're going to likely see in the next couple rounds of hearings in December. Um, but at the end of the day, this is going to still continue for 2023 going forward. And my hope is that at least it spawns a, a conversation saying, you know, what's next? What can Congress do to make sure that this doesn't happen again uh, and find some good bipartisan legislation? Because with the split Congress next year, we're going to have to work together from both sides of the aisle to find a good comprehensive regulatory framework. Otherwise, we're just going to be hosting hearings for um, you know next two years yeah. with nothing uh, in end of sight. So I hope we do uh, finally have some spur to action from Congress uh, on this movement. So there is a hearing um, that is scheduled in December that I know what one I know of uh, Maxine Waters and Patrick McHenry bipartisan support. Um, what do you th- what do you think we can expect from that? You know, will they try to bring Sam Bankman Fried in or representatives of FTX? That's probably likely the case. Um, a lot of folks I've been talking to um, on both committees have been saying, look, we want to talk to the source here. Um, we want to talk to the folks who were at the epicenter of this because it looks like there was just a, a small cohort of folks at FTX and Alameda who knew what was going on. Um, so the question is, A, who knew what was going on? And B, can we bring them in to testify in front of us? Now, they have subpoena power at some of these committees, but will it be uh, hard to get someone like SBF to testify in front of Congress in person? Definitely. Is it virtual? We'll see. Um, but I think if they aren't able to get those folks in the main uh, cohort of who knew things, and then I'm going to include CZ in that group as well, uh, they're going to probably look to the regulators. And then after that, they're going to probably look to industry groups or industry um, companies who are also involved or consumer protection groups, what have you. So um, I know we saw another hearing notice actually about an hour ago from the Senate Agriculture Committee. And that's important because the Senate Agriculture Committee was going to uh, move forward actually on the bill that SBF and FTX were heavily lobbying for the Digital Consumer um, sorry, the Digital Commodity Consumer Protection Act, the DCCPA I mentioned earlier. And so it's going to be really curious to see for a a committee that's been so um, intertwined with FTX and this legislation and having a hearing with the head of the CFTC, are they going to try and move this bill in the last couple of weighing days of the Congress? Or are they going to say, probably we should probably take a step back here and say, why was FTX pushing for this bill? What was wrong with it? And what can we do going forward to say, making sure that this is actually seen as a legitimate piece of legislation in the eye of the public and the regulators? not just an FTX wish list, which candidly, that's kind of what it became uh, towards the end, as we saw a huge rift in the DeFi ecosystem versus FTX's lobbying approach. Hmm. Uh, there's just so many things happening. And, and as a result of this situation, the next thing I wanted to ask you was the Republicans won the House back. A lot of them are in the committee that oversees the SEC. And a lot of folks are saying Gary Genser failed here because he met with the folks at FTX, even though FTX.com was based in the Bahamas. There was an arm in the US, FTX US. So folks are saying, dude, 
Kim Kardashian, what happened with FTX? What happened with Celsius? So what are you hearing here and how may the folks, the committee, you know, go after Gary Gensler here? Yeah, so we had uh, the Blockchain Association's first annual policy summit last week, actually last Wednesday, and the timing couldn't have been any more perfect because we had a lot of those policymakers in front of a, a, a room of ours, basically just walking through their thoughts initially of what was happening in real time. And Tom Emmer, who currently oversees the um, Oversight uh, Committee on the Republican side for financial services, he was very much dismayed and said, look, I want to bring Gary Gensler in. I've been having requests to have him in. Um, a lot of other Republicans have been saying the same thing. We want to have Gary Gensler in. If we don't have him in when uh, the Democrats have House, we will bring him in several times. And I think the word he used was he should bring a cot because he's going to be staying here a long time on the House side, <laughs> um, both in the uh, Financial Service Committee, Oversight Committee, and uh, many other committees potentially in the Senate, too. So uh, I can definitely see Gensler and the SEC being front and center of this, um, especially from a Republican angle. But let's not forget the Democrats are saying the same thing, too. Sure. Uh, Jim Himes, as well as Jake Oshenclaus from the Democrat side in financial services, said we need to have the SEC come in. And we need to have a hearing, find out what happened and where was their jurisdiction and was there a point where they failed or they didn't act. So I think it's good to have these questions asked. It's good that they're bipartisan. My um, one you know, hope is that this doesn't turn into a super partisan issue. As I referenced earlier, there is issues with uh, a lot of folks, especially when the uh, majority party or the ruling party for the administration is one party and the House is a different party. There tends to be this uh, goal to try to find a me and uh, narrative winning points on the comm side. Um, so most notably, think about Benghazi, January 6th. Um, as well as Hunter Biden. Like, these are examples where one party rushes with examples to try to link it or discredit the other party. And this makes things so partisan. And so I think we've made a lot of good effort making bipartisan uh, efforts for crypto. And my hope is that the Republicans in the House, who again, aren't on the Financial Service Committee or Agriculture Committee, these folks are on different committees um, and they're mostly just trying to score headlines here. My hope is that they don't try to take these conspiracy theories and try to really twist it in their way, saying FTX is the you know the the big Biden administration uh, like love fest when in actuality Democrats and Republicans got donations here. So um, yeah. so we'll see what happens. But I'm really concerned that the Republicans now are the ones turning it partisan again. Not the ones that have been in the right committees that we deal with all the time. These are folks who are, who have no idea about any of the situation. They just see an opportunity to get headlines. Yeah, yeah, it's the political machine, right? They they see, oh, oh, they screwed up here. Okay, we're gonna beat them over the head with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's hope it doesn't get to that. Um, so with this collapse and the and the the ripple effects and and all the implications and so forth, has this put a level of ur- or moved the level of urgency to get crypto regulations up? Because this week we saw some literature on the White House website uh, as far as G twenty countries. Um, do you think we get something soon, maybe early 2023? You know, we could potentially get something this year, um, the, you know, at least in our conference. One notable bill that kind of resurrected from the dead was a stablecoin bill. Mm-hmm. And even though this FTX situation really isn't about stablecoins, really, I mean, there is some tether implications, but for the large part, it's been mostly focused on exchanges. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a provision in the Maxine Waters, Patrick McHenry bill that said you can't commingle uh, customer funds with you know your business account and your other funds that you utilize for your um, operations, um, and we just saw that in the SBF case, they were utilizing customer funds to pay off other gre- uh, creditors and debtors. And so, um, many in Congress, at least at the conference, are saying 
that provision won't solve the FTX situation, but that's something in law that we can have. Um, and I think both sides of the aisle can easily agree to that. Now, the question is, um, do they have enough time to get that done? Um, and there's still a lot of other uh, holding points on the stablecoin bill, but that was a constant theme is that that bill is coming back while the DCTPA is probably sliding to the uh, not passing this year. Stablecoins could get snuck in at the last minute, which uh, we'll see what happens with all these hearings. Um, but there's definitely a bipartisan push to get something done. And even Maxine Waters and Patrick McHenry led their hearing on uh, last Tuesday talking about this issue. Uh, and so it's exciting to see uh, that coalition of uh, members of Congress who are different sides of the aisle saying we need to put something together and move forward. Because the Republicans at least can say, nah, screw it. We won't want to touch anything until we have the power of the House. But they I've been very adamant saying this is a bipartisan approach on both the hearings and moving legislation forward. So let's hope that stays that way. But uh, a lot remains to be seen. And time is short. Ron, do you think that uh, and it kind of goes back to the initial question about building trust again, because the politicians, the governments, they've all lost faith in the industry a bit. Is it going to have to be the likes of BlackRock and Fidelities who are dabbling in crypto to now come into the driver's seat and say, hey, look, the, the adults are in charge now. These startups, ignore them. We're, we're going to make sure things are okay. Do you think that's a scenario that, that's going to play out? Well, we, we did this. With, the banks have tried to do this, and they failed pretty spectacularly. At least on the lobbying side, they are pushing very heavily in the stablecoin bill, for example, saying that only banks can issue stablecoins. And these large legacy players have deep partisan roots uh, or deep trip mines, at least in policy, from years of precedence. That you know, you can't get the Elizabeth Warrens on board, or you can't get the Patrick McHenry's on board. So there's definitely divisions that are already there. Um, and candidly, I think that's why the bank lobby hasn't been so um successful in this area right now, is that they just really have not been able to cut across those party lines that have been already established for years. Whereas in the crypto space, we really don't have that right now. You know, there's a couple things here and there, like CBDCs, where there is some partisan rifts, but for the most part, it's pretty bipartisan or nonpartisan. And so um, I don't think these legacy players are going to help much. And actually, I think they're actually going to hurt a lot of our efforts. Um, right. Even if they try to do it for uh, for good reasons or bad reasons, I think they're going to be pretty um, uh, detrimental for us, especially with the Democrat side of the aisle, which is very untrustworthy to a lot of those legacy institutions. Um, so my hope is that at least a lot of the members have a more of a, a fact-finding mode and make decisions themselves. And um, you know, at least in our perspective, we're going to try to help out as much as we can with like discerning fact from fiction of what happened, because a lot that's still up in the air um, but yeah, I don't think the legacy players are going to really help out here. And if they, even if they try to be successful or try to be, um, helpful for the industry in crypto, I think it's going to backfire tremendously. Mm, that's a great point. Uh, final question here. And, and this one's probably a bit difficult because we don't know, you know, what's going to happen in the coming months, but folks are of course, of course, angry at Sam Bankman free. They're like, when is he going to jail? So what's that process going to be like to get him to the United States and will the you know the government essentially the folks in Congress have to make the call to get him here? I mean, they could try to subpoena him. They do have authority for that, so we'll see if the House does that or um, if uh, other committees try to take that route. Um, we'll see if he complies as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, at least in my experience, talking to a lot of the policymakers and staff, there is this general urge of this man not only lied to the the public, this man lied to my face. This man, we took a meeting. He said they didn't do things like commingling of funds and lied right to my face. Um, you know, when a member of Congress has that from a CEO just directly saying something false, that angers them in a way 
that uh, I haven't seen in quite some time in the space. And so there's a lot of just general, uh, not saying like, oh, he made some bad business practices. It's more of this man is a fraud and I cannot believe he lied to me. And that is the the reaction I'm seeing on both sides of the aisle. Um, no one's defending it, SBF, no one's defending FTX. Um, and as each report comes out by the hour, more and more uh, folks on the staff side are texting me saying, this is ridiculous. This guy needs to go to jail. And so we'll see if that happens. Um, but each more day, it looks worse and worse for him. And I think in D.C., if they can try to bring him here, we'll see. Um, and again, the other one in the room is at CZ. I mean, he has a role to play in this to some extent. I'm not saying on, on more of the, uh, you know, the jail side or anything like that, but he has a role here. And folks in Congress and in D.C. are not fans of Binance by no means. It's, mm-hmm. I put them in the same category as Tether. And so uh, FTX has now joined the ranks of Binance and, F, uh, and Tether. And uh, folks in D.C. are going to say, we need to get some of those parties in, in front of us. Uh, otherwise, this unregulated crypto market is really going to uh, hurt more folks in the United States. And that's something that they, no one wants. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I don't think they'll be successful uh, getting those folks in front of them, but uh, there's always a chance. Well, I hope uh, CZ does it because I, I know he's been talking a lot more to uh, regulators, to the news and so forth. I think it'll be a good a good sign for him to come in and speak, uh, given that he's outside the United States, at least. It'll be a good opportunity. I mean, he has a lot of uh, things to correct, and there's a lot of perceptions from uh, folks on the Hill of Binance and Binance US, largely because they just really haven't been here. Um, even if they did have some folks in DC, those lobbyists tend to not last long. I don't know the, the full reasons, but um, they do not have a good reputation, especially Binance, the parent company in DC. Um, so my hope is that they can correct that, um, at least, or at least be more transparent uh, to folks in DC. Um, but there was some truth to when SPF kind of troll tweeted to CZ if he was allowed to be in DC or not. Ironically enough, now SPF probably shouldn't be in DC. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how that all plays out. But it, it could be an opportunity for Binance or it could be their reckoning uh, in DC. A lot remains to be seen. Sure. Uh, Ron, always great information, even though, you know, the situation is not great right now. But, uh, you know, thank you for what you're doing and the Blockchain Association is doing as well. It's uh, it's never boring day, I'll tell you that. So I appreciate what you're doing as well. So thanks again for having me. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.